Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here with a couple of very special guests in the studio. We are joined in studio by Rick Snyder. He's the president of the Fraternal Order Police Lodge 86. Hey, Rick. And yeah. Jeff Blackwell. Uh, Jeff uh, lost his daughter in the FedEx shooting, Samaria. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for being here today. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Jeff, first of all, before we do anything else, tell me about your daughter. My daughter, Samaria, was 19 years old, uh, an athlete. A wonderful personality. She was outgoing and was concerned for others around her. The reality is her name, Samaria, comes from the Bible story of the Good Samaritan. Mm. So she actually lived out or became what her name represented. She was really that a Good Samaritan. Doesn't matter your economic or social background or anything else. She was your friend. And she had a great laugh. And she was a pretty good athlete. She was. And again, being how I'm a Southsider, and it feels like everybody on the South Side knows everybody indirectly. It feels like everybody that I've spoken with uh, either says she was an amazing athlete or what an amazing family. We've got such an amazing amount of mutual friends that we didn't even know about until we started, you know, corresponding about coming on the show here. And everybody to a T said, what an amazing family and what an amazing young lady. That would all have to be because of their mother. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, how's your? How is your family doing after such a tr- tragic and, and traumatic situation? The reality is there are good and bad days. Sure. Uh, we're believers. We tr- fall into our faith, and that's what's carried us through at this point, and that's what continues to carry us through. Jesus Christ has just been the way that's gone there. Again, there Amen. are good days and bad days. I mean, just literally just some days you don't want to get out of bed, but you just put one foot in front of the other and keep going on. Does talking about it, is it almost therapeutic to talk about it or does it cause more pain? I have to be honest that the ability to talk about it is therapeutic. Um, the ability to tell the story, to say these are the things that happened, to share my daughter. Because one of these strange things about grief is that she's gone. All we have at this point are pictures. We're not going to have any more new pictures of my daughter. Hmm. So it's like, and you think, is anybody going to remember her name or what she was about or anything like that? So the ability to share her story, who she was and what an amazing person she was, is is just very helpful. She wanted to be a police officer. That was the entire hmm. thing. She's working two jobs. Um, she worked at night, thus the FedEx. She would come home as a lifeguard, pick up my car, because she didn't have one at the time, go to FedEx, and then come home. Jeff, what is your military background? How is that? Has that been? You're in the military. Correct? I spent nine years in the military. Yes, sir. Oh, what service? What branch? Uh, Army. I was a field artillery. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your service. I'm wondering if if you know she got your your late daughter got any inspiration from you and 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 following in your footsteps in terms of service to 
um, you know, your fellow human beings, you know, the military, the police force, things like that? Well, my youngest son is a Marine, so oh. there's an argument in the house of which service is better. Okay. <laughs> so Samaria was following after her brother, much to my chagrins, and was going to head to the Marines to basically start her, uh, try to be an MP, so that when she got mm-hmm. out, she could then transfer that into, again, she wanted to serve in law enforcement because she wanted to help people. Again, right back with her name, the Good Samaritan. Uh, Jeff Blackwell is our guest. Uh, Jeff is the father of Samaria Blackwell, who lost her life in the FedEx shooting. I've said for a long time, Jeff, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be mad when things like this happen. How often do you find yourself getting angry? I would say initially the the anger is really directed at the why question and how could this happen. Um, I'm going to say something. I won the lottery. For a lottery, nobody wants to win. Mm. Um, And I'm not alone. I'm here not because of just me. I'm here because there were seven other families that lost someone, eight with Brandon's family itself. And then that doesn't count the people that were hurt. They each have individual stories and everything else. We're unique in the fact that we we made international news. But at the same time, there's a single mother and a grandmother in our city that's lost a child and no one tells their story. No one has this. They don't have the opportunity that I have to sit here in front of this microphone and talk to you guys. That's a tragedy. Who, who are you talking about? The other, the... I'm the talking sh- about our city, yeah. that our country, there are single moms, there are dads, they lose kids yes. just like this. Yes. I sit here as one of seven okay. as a representative. Again, we got international coverage and all this, but there are so many families that suffer in silence and don't have an outlet to tell that story or someone to take up their cause. Is that one of the reasons why you're here today? It is actually, yes. No. You have been, I think, the most outspoken of all the family members of the victims. Do you feel any added pressure or any burden feeling like you're the voice of all these families? No, because the reality is it's eight families that lost loved ones. And you've seen... They've spoke at various times. I'm not a representative for the co-op, if you will, at that point. I am just telling my story. They will tell their stories in their times if they desire to do so, but we know that we have more power as a group. Now, let's get into the story because it's a story that did not have to happen. Nigel and I have said this time and time again. The red flag laws in Indianapolis were not followed properly. This is something Rick can weigh in on. Um, We've talked about this on the show before. Do you feel like the elected officials in Indianapolis let you down? Yes. Do you feel that your daughter would still be alive today if the prosecutor in Marion County had followed through with the red flag law? I cannot determine that. But what I can say is if he had done that, there was a chance that all those people would be alive. Now, Rick, let me go over to you real quick. For those who might not be familiar with what we're talking about here, briefly explain the red flag law and ultimately what happened with the FedEx shooting. 
Well, the red flag law was placed into effect in 2005 after Officer Jake Laird was killed in the line of duty on the south side of Indianapolis. It's actually named after him, the Jake Laird red flag law. And it was to authorize law enforcement officers in the immediacy of the moment, if they identify that someone is a threat to themselves or to others, to be able to seize those weapons and hold them to intervene and hopefully prevent something like this from occurring. But it also prescribes for due process, immediate due process for the person involved uh, so that there is a balance between constitutional rights of folks as well as due process and legal review of the actions by the officers. But the key component is, is that uh, uh, prior to this incident at the FedEx, the prosecutor had to initiate that filing with the court. It had to go through the prosecutor, this prosecutor. And the point that we made is, uh, it wasn't that the law did not. The, it wasn't that the law failed. It was that the prosecutor failed to give the law a chance to work, and that's the key component. And I think what I heard from Jeff there is is a salient point, which is we'll never know because he never tried. What we do know is that if he had tried, there was a there was a chance that it could have been interrupted. The certainty is that he didn't, and because of that, there was nothing that prevented uh, this suspect from uh, purchasing or obtaining. A additional weapons. And that's the thing that frustrates so many people. It's not because it was just a bad decision. People make mistakes. People make bad decisions. It was a lazy, half-assed effort from somebody who just views, in my opinion, these are my words only, that views the prosecutor's office as a stepping stone for him to try to run for the mayor's office. Well, and I would, I would say this, and we could talk about it you know, after the hour. I don't want to take away from Jeff's time, but I think it's a key point for the point of the discussion which your point, it wasn't a lazy point. He himself, in his own words, made clear he intentionally did not file it. That's where uh, our officers have very strong reservations. Jeff, can we get back to something you've, you've mentioned it a couple times when we were talking about the number of the families that were affected. You say there were eight families affected, um, and I'm assuming one of the families you're talking about is the shooter i heard you mention his name that is correct she did a story and she talked about you know her side of the story and she said only one family reached out to her that was my mom that called her and spoke with Mm. her how did that conversation go (laughs) well that's my mom but she's my mom is also a believer and there was a conversation about christ and his grace Mm. involved in all that that's 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 just that's unbelievable to me because I, I I'm only projecting here, but I would have so much anger um, that I don't know that if I would be able to include the the family of the person that took my my daughter's life in in my list of people who I have sympathy for. Jeff, Rick, I'm going to take a little break here. Uh, we're going to come back. I want to get into. Unfortunately, the political nature of what happened in the FedEx shooting, because I do think there is a story to that. And for our friends listening. At the Indy Star, yes, Rick will address what happened with the IMPD officer yesterday, because I know that's all you care about. So stick around. Do not go anywhere. We're going to take a little break. More when we come back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show uh, in studio with FOP President Rick Snyder and Jeff Blackwell. Uh, Jeff's daughter, Samaria, was a victim in the FedEx shooting. You, Jeff, and your lovely better half appear in a commercial. For Cindy Carrasco. She is running for prosecutor here in Marion County. Why did you guys decide to do that? It was goes back to where the previous conversation ended. We were aware that there was a major malfunction that 
something is wrong. Let me kind of explain my side of the story. I had the president acknowledge it and come to us. We had the governor. Let's just go. We've had the state, everybody on through, but one person hasn't basically acknowledged this. Now, why I say that is after the investigation period was done of the initial thing that happened, we were called together, all the victims' families, to a substation on the west side, at which point in time, every law enforcement agency under the sun, including the local deputy, if you will, was there. And they presented all this, the U.S. District Attorney, the FBI, the the World Police Organization. It was crazy how many people were there. As the things were presented, there's something that became very evident because everything kept circling back to this question of why was nothing ever done about this first encounter with the police and the red flag law? Guess who was not in attendance there? I don't even have to say his name. So this really set us off. At which point in time, Chief Taylor texted him, everything else, he was supposed to have a sit down with all the families at once. The prosecutor, the that current is prosecutor. Correct. That has never happened. Mm-hmm. Now, we pursued this for months and there was an exchange of emails everything else the initial email came through condolences blah 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 we're going to meet with you uh, is like great but the way the email was written i questioned wait a second so we ask it, are you meeting with us are you meeting with all the families or how is this happening well it was only meeting with our family because i don't know how everyone else was pursuing it and it was with his staff do you feel like the prosecutor brushed you off? I don't think there's much of an open door policy there. Understood. So is there any concern that by appearing in a commercial with Cindy Carrasco, people are going to say you are politicizing the tragedy that took place in your family? If you don't hear what I'm saying, then I can't help you. Mm-hmm. This city is on fire and... It's been revealed to me that part of this city, through my political involvement, I am not a political creature, all right? So I've done something I never thought I would do. I knocked on doors. I've done other stuff, all in support of this candidate because it's time for a change. But people are telling me there's not a problem in the city. All you have to do, like I just commented earlier, this morning was the first morning I woke up in almost two weeks, and my news feed didn't say 17 shot, one dead overnight. Something similar to that, right? Right. And so, that's so the narrative has been that it's this. No, this is a safe place. This is. There's nothing to see here. There's. There's no reason why Starbucks should be closing on Monument Circle. Forgive me, but. The reason we do this is so that someone else does not have to go through that. Yes. And those that are in a position of denial, I pray to the Lord that you never have to sit on my side of the table and go through what we went through because it's a real thing. And it's not just us. Again, I talk about all those out there that aren't having their story told. Mm-hmm. Who's speaking up for them? Jeff, thank you so much for coming in. Yes. God bless you your family, your friends. I know this isn't easy for you. Um, 
But uh, again, it means a great deal to a lot of people that you had the courage to come in here, talk about this, name names, give examples of exactly what happened to you. That's an amazing thing, my friend, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also joining us live in studio, uh, Rick Snyder is the president of FOP Lodge 86 here in Indy. Also, Jeff Blackwell is joining us in studio. His daughter tragically was killed in the FedEx shooting. His daughter's name is Samaria. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for coming in studio, telling us uh, your story about your daughter. And I do uh, want to talk about your involvement with the Cindy Carrasco campaign. She's the GOP candidate running for prosecutor against Ryan Mears. Can you tell us a little bit more about your relationship with uh, Cindy? Um, yes. We wanted to do something. We wanted our voice to be heard. And we kind of waited for the announcement of was somebody really going to run against this guy? And then it was announced, and we just kind of held back for a while. But we knew we wanted to meet her because we wanted to look her in the eye and have a conversation. We weren't just going to say, hey, this is who we are. This is, we'll do whatever. So we sat down, and she's a mother. She's a real person. It cuts through. If, you, if somebody gets in front of Cindy, it doesn't take five minutes to know She's not a politician. She's just a real mom at that point. And her real concern is that for her daughter's safety and the safety of her city. Mm-hmm. My wife fell in love with her in short per se. And because I'm not a stupid man, I followed my wife's lead. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Well done. Um, and for somebody that's just now turning on the radio, maybe you just got off of work. Um, Jeff told us earlier that... This story that was national news, this FedEx shooting, everybody, it seemed like from the state of Indiana and even national levels, had reached out to family members, offered condolences, went out of their way to show some level of support of some kind, except for the guy that's currently the prosecutor in Marion County. Do I have this accurate? You have that accurate, and it's even more important. The one guy that didn't reach out was the only guy in all those other people that had any chance in any way to affect the outcome that that would have never happened. Think about that for a moment. So when you see city leaders, Jeff, having a celebration, like about a month or maybe it's even two months ago, they had a little celebration here in the city. Some of these civic leaders celebrating that the crime numbers were trending down in the city. What went through your mind? Uh, a perfect bowling game of 300. You roll that, that's a big celebration. A 299 is not a 300, but that's a great bowling game. But both of those scores are absolutely horrible scores for the death total in the county. Mm. And that's what they're celebrating. They'll, well, we didn't get 300. Yeah, you're not supposed to set a record every year. And we say this over and over again. It sounds like a broken record, but I think it bears repeating here. 200 homicides in Marion County cannot be the norm. Rick, you can weigh in on this. Hey, listen, we had a goal before many years ago of keeping it under 100, and we were able to do so. So what changed? What changed were the decision makers and the fundamental missteps that were taken by buying into this woke, broke criminal justice and bail reform crap. That's what changed. Coincidentally, it took effect in January of 2020, 
And what have we seen then? Coincidentally, we've had the three highest years for homicides in the city of Indianapolis. That's not a coincidence, my friend. That's a pattern. That's evidence in my line of work. And here's what we know, is that we're on track to have the third consecutive year of over 200 homicides in this city. And uh, people are acting like they want to deny that crime is even occurring. We've got crime deniers going on now, trying to downplay the fact of what people are seeing, as, as Jeff shared, waking up in the morning and seeing all this violence that occurred over the night. And we have people in the media, in political office, and also just in the g- general public trying to be advocates and propagandists for politicians in charge, trying to convince us that it's not as what we are seeing and experiencing. And uh, we're saying enough is enough on that we're going to call it out for what it is our city is in a public safety crisis Uh, many of these acts of violence are preventable but it requires accountability for repeat violent offenders and we're not going to waver from that and it's just got to it's just got to there's something in me that triggers like i i if if what happened to my family ever you know the same thing happened to jeff i mean knowing that there's a mechanism that was in place that could have been prevented that they could have used it they could have done something to prevent what happened at the fedex is really i I know you're a man of faith and i know you're a man of forgiveness jeff i'm i can only tell you what i would do in that situation it would not be here speaking uh as as eloquently as you do about um you know using your platform for uh for good can i I say this i do not hate mr mears that's not the issue at all the problem is he's so poor at his job so what i'm trying to do is stand up for cindy and cross political parties i don't care if you're democrat or republican i don't care if you're independent what i'm asking you to do is make one vote and that's the vote not to let this individual continue on in this path and again i think this is important to point out you or not me. You're not a political animal. You don't live and breathe politics. Um, you are just a dad that is reaching out to people right now saying you have a choice to make things better. This should not be a political deal. It's about crime. It's about safety. You have the choice. You don't have to just always check that blue box when you go to vote. Yeah, it's it's just that. It's a matter of this affects everyone at all levels. So if you're an issue voter and you're stuck on an issue, I'm sorry, whatever that issue is, doesn't matter if you don't come home or make Mm. it to work Mm. because you've been killed or your kid has been killed or your husband has been killed. That's the fallacy with that issue voting at this point. We are in a safety crisis in our city public safety but we're not safe but we want to pretend and stick our heads in the sand as if we are and that's not the case rick i want to come over to you for something a little different here because the big story yesterday was there was an officer with the impd uh that was ultimately charged and i believe convicted of stomping like a homeless guy indicted i'm sorry not convicted indicted of stomping like a homeless guy out on the circle and i want to get your thoughts and your perspective on that yeah i mean uh you got an officer that's already been charged at the local level the federal indictment is uh something that backs that up it really uh 
essentially what the federal government is saying is they're going to have a hand in monitoring what goes on at the local level with the with the criminal case, the due process. I think the focus for anybody is to ensure that there's fair, firm, and consistent review of what occurred, uh, a review through the court system and uh, due process that's available to this officer and uh, allowing that system to work. So uh, the indictment has been made. There's really no new evidence, no new additional information or anything such as that. And uh, now it's just a focus on the process and allowing that to occur. And, man, it seems like whenever something happens like this, and there's a story about an officer, like the trolls come out on social media. There's this one guy that tweets at us all the time. It feels like 80% of the things he tweets are targeted at you, Rick. And he wanted me to ask you this question. So I'm going to go ahead and just ask it to you. Ask Rick Snyder if he can comment on if he's satisfied with an IMPD homicide arrest rate of 51% and why he's remained silent on police violence or law enforcement officers ignoring pleas and reducing access to firearms. This was a tweet that came in to us from the Hammer and Nigel account. Yeah, sure. No, I appreciate it. Here's the fact. No, we're not satisfied with the 51% conviction or uh, conviction rate or clearance rate on homicides. I don't know if that's still the current number or not, but here's what I do know, and here's the rest of the story. Uh, typically, uh, most major city agencies especially are shooting for a 60% or higher clearance rate if it's possible, but what greatly dilutes the ability to do that is a broken criminal justice system that has a revolving door. So what happens is you lose legitimacy with the community for those officers and detectives for residents and victims and witnesses to be able to trust not the officers and the detectives but to be able to trust the system that accountability will occur for that offender if they talk because this is what happens folks uh, may step out in in confidence and talk to the officers and they see an arrest made but then when they see that violent offender that perpetrator come right back into the neighborhood you're not going to talk anymore no. because you fear retribution and you snitches also get stitches and you also blame not just the system, but the most visible representation of government, which is the law enforcement officers and detectives. So it's a cyclical thing. So that's what contributes to that. If somebody really wants to see higher conviction rates, they should be doing everything to call out this criminal justice system to say, start holding repeat violent offenders accountable and bring legitimacy, trust and confidence back into the equation. The next part is on the, um, uh, what was the, the, the very last one there? Why has he remained silent on police violence and oh, yeah. LEs yeah, yeah. ignored plea to reduce access to firearms? Well, never uh, remained silent on police issues, uh, violence uh, toward our officers or when our officers have to use violence. Also, never remained silent on issues of controversy within law enforcement use of force. Guys, you'll remember, I think I sat in here for over an hour one day straight talking about the George Floyd incident specifically and issues of uh, police uh, trust and respect, but also um, uh, holding officers accountable when they step outside the bounds of the law. Uh, when it comes to the guns, we've been very outspoken about that issue, but I'm also clear to say it's not, we cannot get bogged down or fall into the trap of only fo- focusing on the instrument instead of the individual. We have to focus on the individual and the instrument involved, especially when they have a criminal history where they should never be in association with that instrument. And the final point is, If you truly want to prevent a repeat violent offender from being able to commit a new act of violence, they're not able to do it if their ass is locked up. That's the point. Can you guys come back for just one more segment? I know I've kept you guys for like way more time than you had signed up to join us, but this is sure. too good. Can you guys come back for one more and segment? I definitely want to ask you about recruitment and retaining the talent in IMPD. I'm sure this plays a role in everything that you were just talking about. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. Hello. Uh, in studio, guests, we have Jeff Blackwell. Uh, he has Samaria's daughter. Got it right. I, I apologize if I said it incorrectly earlier. Um, Samaria, one of the victims of the FedEx shooting, and FOP President Rick Snyder. And ultimately, guys, where we come together at here is a discussion on red flag laws. The red flag law was not followed, and ultimately, uh, Jeff, your daughter, and others lost their life at that FedEx ground facility near the airport. Uh, Rick, I know you've been passionate talking about this red flag situation as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, let's talk about facts here. I think this is important. What is not up for the de- debate or any discussion anymore because it's been resolved is if Ryan Mears could have applied the red flag law. He absolutely could have. Worse yet, we found out from him in a public press conference is that he intentionally chose not to file the red flag specific to the suspect. Listen, Indy Star goes on to report, and they found that one submission of his sat for 44 days. 44 days. You have 14 days to act. 44 days it sat. Many of them were sitting for over a month. We found through those reportings, even through the Indianapolis Star, that the police are doing their job. They were making the seizures, but he did not do his. He's refused multiple media requests to talk about it, but yet after this all came about in this tragedy uh, of these of these wonderful Hoosiers that we lost in this, this absolute atrocity, uh, Mears' filing of red flags went at what the Indy Star called a quote-unquote unprecedented level. Prior to FedEx in 2021, he had only filed eight of the submissions submitted to him by the police. Within three days he, after FedEx, he filed four more, and within two weeks after FedEx, he filed 22 of those filings. Now, again, the red flag law wasn't an issue of it did not it did not fail he failed to give it a chance to work so here's the point the court stepped in in an unprecedented move and stripped him from the process they removed him from that showing that they had no confidence in him we had a united states senator dick durbin a leading gun control advocate known for being pretty liberal progressive not conservative who clearly stated in a quote he said had the red flag law been applied he believed that those eight lives uh, those eight folks would still be alive today that's dick durbin right. saying that that's not ted cruz that's not that's Rand right. paul that's dick durbin of illinois expressing no confidence in the prosecutor and the decision that he made since 2005 guys the red flag law has been applied over 800 times in the state of indiana over half of those over 400 times in marion county that means that prior prosecutors had no issues no troubles no challenges in getting them the, getting them filed so the question is why didn't ryan mears try and why won't he meet with the family? And why won't Families. he answer? And why won't he answer the questions of the police, the public questions that we have asked him? More importantly, why should we trust Ryan Mears? Because here's what we're seeing: he he said that the law needed to be changed. The law was deficient in some manner. That was in April of 2021. Guess what, guys? He never went over to the State House and Summer Study Committee. He never went over there in this last legislative session and made any attempt to make any change to the state red flag law. What's that tell you? That tells you he's a fraud. He's fake. That was a false statement about the law named after Officer Jake Laird 
done by Debbie and Mike Laird as his parents. So he owes everyone an apology. He owes these families an apology. And he should not be in that office. If for no other reason, FedEx should be the one reason why he should not be here. You've but directly asked him to his face. He turns around and walks away. Not only on FedEx, but it goes further back to Officer Tommy Mangan. Another yes. example where we see he made an intentional decision to withhold information from the court, not tell them that this suspect was a parole violator, and he went on to shoot our officer in the throat. And when we tried to ask him questions about it, you saw it. He ran away. He ran away from us and still to this day has not answered any questions. So here's the point. His positions have so many holes in them that he can't even carry his own water. So it begs this question, whose water is he carrying, guys? Because here's the point. You see, we're not questioning his character. We're not. His performance is what we're highlighting, but his lack of transparency, the fact that he runs away, the failures to act and speak uh, uh, to our questions. The lack it, of compassion to the families. It, that's what really drove me to a breaking point when Jeff was talking earlier. That speaks more to his character than anything that we could say. So he's not representing the interests of the residents and business owners in this city. As we've clearly seen, he's not representing the interests of the families of our victims. He did Damn sure isn't in, in, representing the interests of our officers, and there's no way in hell he's representing the interests of the state of Indiana. So who is Ryan Mears? Whose interests and agendas is he representing? That's my question. And, and the only way you're going to get an answer to that is go ask Ryan Mears. But you know he'll never answer the questions. So here today on this show, I'm making this, this public uh, statement and challenge, if you will. Ryan Mears, come here to Hammer and Nigel. Sit live on air before this election so that voters can make good informed decisions and answer some of these questions. Sit with me and allow me to answer questions. You ask questions of me and I'll answer them. And we'll get the facts out here on the table and let voters make a good, informed decision about who's going to be the chief law enforcement officer for this county. But your rank-and-file officers, not just IMPD, Beechgrove, Speedway, Lawrence, Cumberland, Indiana State Police, and others, have unanimously agreed that they have no confidence in Ryan Mears and further have endorsed Cindy Carrasco for prosecutor. So if cops are for, pro are, are for Carrasco... And they say they have no confidence in the current prosecutor, Ryan Mears. Here's my question. Why should you? Ryan Mears and Joe Hogsett have an open invitation anytime they want to come on our program. We've made that perfectly clear. Gentlemen, this has been an amazing hour. It's been a powerful hour. Um, and, Jeff, let me just say this. I think what you're going to see is the best listeners in radio, the Hammer and Nigel Show listeners. Um, they are such a compassionate and amazing group. You're going to get messages from people that you don't know. You're going to hear from people that you did not know existed. But understand, there's a lot of people that were hanging on your every word today, and they're rooting for you, and they're praying for you. And I just want to say thank you for coming in here and having the courage you, to Jeff. speak about this. Thank you. Thanks for giving me your time. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.